Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, God bless you. I want to um, spend a few minutes with you talking about becoming a disciple. And uh, I want you to, to figure out the answer to these questions. There's no test here. You just think about it and then in your own mind or to somebody beside you, let me ask you a question. Can a mother be a mom without mothering? Can a farmer be a farmer without ever farming? Can a fisherman be a fisherman without actually ever fishing? Can a horse groomer be a horse groomer without ever grooming a horse? Can a teacher be a teacher if they've never, ever gone anywhere to teach? What are your answers to those? Okay, now here's the last one. Can you be a Christian without being a disciple? Some say yes, some say no. Well... I was reading through uh, Greg Ogden's book on becoming a disciple, and this is what he says. I want to quote it. He says, We have adopted an unbiblical and costly distinction that says that you can be a Christian without being a disciple. A Christian is someone who has trusted Christ for forgiveness of their sins and been assured of life forever with Jesus. True. The focus is on the benefits we receive from Jesus and not on relinquishing our very lives to follow Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think of that statement. Maybe you say, well, that's true, or I'm not sure, I gotta think about that. Maybe he's embellishing it some way or another. Well, I believe personally it's true when I look at my own life. You know why? Because when I became a Christian, nobody told me that I wasn't a disciple. Nobody told me that I wasn't following the ways of Jesus. Nobody told me that. You know, there was no opportunity of distinction. I just believed personally that when I became a Christian that, that I was a, a disciple. I was someone searching for Jesus to, to follow him and consider his words and do what he said. So I couldn't see the, the difference personally. It wasn't until I got more involved in the church that I started hearing these things. I started seeing these things. And I thought, well, that may be true for me, but what about you? Is this a statement you've thought about before in distinction, or do you see it a one, or have you ever even thought about it, about living your life as a disciple following Christ? So what part of following Jesus stands out to you when maybe you can stop for a minute and think, well, there was this moment or this time where I really, really sensed I was doing what a disciple should do. I was really doing those things that that were important in the moment in time as a follower of Christ. On Friday, we were at a funeral for uh, Chris Gallagher, uh, our son Nathan, and his wife Alana. That was her, her dad, and he passed away. Uh, 67 or 68? 67? And um, very quiet man. It's kind of like, I love you, Craig, big Craig here. He's a quiet man. He is. He's just a big, quiet man, but he's a deep thinker. And uh, when he has something to say, I want to listen because he's not talking all the time. And that's what Chris was like. 
And one of the things that I learned about him, he worked for Bell for 37 years, retired from Bell. But one of the things that Chris did in his life was he carried around a very small pocket Bible. You know what I'm talking about? The little tiny ones. And the word on the street with all the people that worked for Bell who did the service work that they did, they said, never ride with Chris. <laughs> because the moment you get in the truck, this quiet man becomes very verbal. And he starts telling who's ever in the passenger seat as a captive audience all about Jesus. And I never knew that about him. Because whenever I was with him, he was always very quiet. He didn't have much to say. And I thought, this is an example to me personally of what it is to say in that moment in time, that's when I was really connecting as a disciple. And you can say to yourself, well, if I'm a Christian, my disciple, what am I supposed to do? Lots of opinions out there, but the bottom line is, what does the word of God say? That is our foundation. That is everything. Now, when you look at the passage uh, that we're looking at as disciples, uh, therefore go. Now, everything that goes before therefore, because always when you see therefore, you say, what is it? Therefore. Thank you. What is it therefore? What does it mean? What's the conjunction about? What is the first part that leads to the second part? Correct? And the first part is Jesus said all what? All has been given unto me, therefore. So Jesus sets the stage. The stage is set. It's like coming in on Sunday, and, and there's Mark with his guitar, and Alicia, and Rhonda on the keyboards, and young Nathan there just banging away on that bass, and then me. You know, the stage is set. So when you come in, if there was nothing up here, this was totally blank. There was, somebody asked me about the pulpit. It, it's in the back. Um, don't worry, it's still here. And, and so on. So, so if you came in and there was nothing here and there was no cookies and there was no coffee, you would walk in and go, what's going on? Wouldn't you? Right? You'd look up here and say, isn't it Sunday? What, what, what are they doing now? What's going on? Jesus set the stage and the disciples were wondering what the stage was all about. But Jesus didn't leave it there for us. He said, therefore, go and do what? Make, make disciples. Now, that's quite a word when you think about making disciples. I'm going to read to you from Mark chapter 8. The command that he's given to his church. We're to, there's two passages that we'll look at, but this is the first one that I'm, I'm going to build from. And it's Mark chapter 8. I don't have it up there, 27 to 38. And sometimes they're really good back there, and they, they surprise me and put it up uh, with a different version, but that's okay. And if it's not up, you can follow along. So, uh, Mark chapter 8, I'm going to start at verse 27. This is one that we've looked at before, but I want to I springboard from it about discipleship. It says, Jesus and his disciples went to the village around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, get the right verse here. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And of course, the question Jesus asked, what about you? Who do you say to the disciples? Who do you say that I am? Peter answers, you are the Christ. And Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach. Now, this is where it goes from here. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things as we're heading into Good Friday, Easter, 
many things and be rejected by elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside. The same Peter said, you are the Christ, and he begins to rebuke Jesus. I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but that's what he did. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter and listened to these words, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him. Now, I don't know how Peter's feeling now. Called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, look, if, say if, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous, sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Tough words from Jesus. There's three things that Jesus talks about here that need to catch our attention. There's lots of things he says here, but three things. He said, if you, if you are willing to be a disciple, if you're willing to follow me, if you say, I'm a follower of Christ, in everything I try to do, and God bless you for that, because you're able to do it. He says there's three things you need to do. The first one is this, you need to deny yourself. The second thing you need to do is take up your cross. And then he says, now follow me. Uh, maybe you've heard of Dallas Willard. You ever hear of Dallas Willard? Great preacher, large church. Dallas Willard was doing a sermon series on something like this on discipleship. And he was challenging his congregation to be committed, integrated disciples wherever they go, just like Chris in that truck with the bell, talking to the people there, just sharing the gospel. And he received a comment from a lady a couple days later in an email. And uh, this is what she wrote. She said, and it's up there, Dear Pastor, thanks for the message today. Let me say, though, that I just want to be a Christian. I don't want to be a disciple. I like my life the way it is. In other words, quit messing with me. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I will be with him when I, when I die. But why, why, why do I have to be a disciple? Doesn't Jesus come and mess with us? Just when you're comfortable in what you think or I'm comfortable and Jesus comes along and he says these words. And I thought about what this lady wrote and I thought, yeah, there's be times maybe I would have wrote that. So I see in scripture that, that, that Jesus was running into the same issue. He said that he had to suffer. He said that he would be re rejected and attacked by the religious leaders, the Sadducees, even the people that he would suffer on the cross and die. So he's saying that, that even with this sentiment of, of being a disciple, when he, this is a tough message. This is a hard message. And because somewhere along the way, the concept, even the lie of Satan, I believe it is, has slowly permeated the church, what? That being a Christian is one thing and being a disciple is another. Being a disciple is one thing and being a Christian is another. It's like opposites. So three things, deny yourself. Um, I, you know about me when I've told you that I love chocolate, right? And I was with my grandson, my oldest grandson did a great job at the funeral. How old is Malachi, 13? He's 13. 
And I was amazed at how well he did at the funeral, sharing about his grandfather. And they were close. And that was hard for him. But afterwards, I was thanking him. And I said, you know, Malachi, you did such a good job. And he, he said, oh, thanks, Papa. And he says, hey, do you like these chocolate brownies? And I said, those ones, those little round ones there, you know, the ones that come in a bag and they have a little window in them? You know the ones I mean? Yeah, obviously you do. And uh, so anyway, so he, he, there's about five of them in a row there, and he takes three of them. And I said, yeah, I did like them. And he said, oh. I said, Malachi, anything chocolate? He goes, anything chocolate. In other words, denying myself a chocolate is not an easy thing. Anybody relate? No? Some of you, how about coffee? You ever denied yourself coffee? Uh-huh. Denying ourselves is a struggle. It really is because you know why? I, I think there's something in us that says, I, I, I want that. I want that. I, I crave that. Matter of fact, I saw in the Canadian Tire Flyer, they have a toaster now called Toaster Turbo, which will toast your toast, make your toast, in 60 seconds. And I think you need to be ready to grab them when they shoot out of there. You know, that's, that's what I'm picturing. Boom. 60, I need my toast, and it has to be done in 60 seconds or less. Because we don't like to deny ourselves. This, this self-fulfillment, self-actualizing world we live in, it's all about me culture. The word deny is a strange word to our ears. You know, when I go to a fast food restaurant, they're apologizing because they took long to make the fast food. And you think, well, it's called fast food, so maybe it's not fast enough. Because I want it, and I wanted it like yesterday. And so that's a weird word to us in our society. Uh, the New Living Translation said this, you must put aside your selfish ambitions. Denial in the way that Jesus is talking about his disciple has that, that moments in our lives that we say these words and we decide and make choices that I'm going to set myself aside and allow Jesus. It was John the Baptist who said that he must increase and I must decrease. More of Jesus, less of me. Mylon LeFevre, years and years ago, uh, did that song. And it just really stuck with me. More of, more of Jesus, less of me. And that's what denial's all about. It's always about how do I surrender more of my life to Jesus? You say, well, I've given him my heart and I've given everything. Yes, thank you. Keep doing that. In the sense of you're already saved, you already know Christ, you're already saved. But I'm like Peter sometimes. I say the wrong things or I do the wrong things and God graciously helps me to walk in that that I would not be so selfish. Um, do you ever find a little five-year-old that's not selfish? No. Do you know Why? Why? Why is a five-year-old selfish? Because they're five years old. <laughs> Plain and simple, they're a little child. And little children, by and large, which all of us were at one time, we demand our own way. And somehow, as we get older, we're supposed to lose a little bit of that five-year-oldness when it comes to our relationship with the Father. And that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples that day. And he's saying, you, you need to learn how to deny yourself. And the Bible is clear on this, that even Jesus gave up, denied this place in heaven for us. He denied himself even. In Philippians 2, verses 3 to 8 in the RSV, it says, Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which you have in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
and, and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. So if we need an example of denial, all we need to do is look to Jesus because he lived it out. And that's what he calls us to. The second thing is take up your cross. Now, if anyone would come after me, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross. Again, we have to remember historically at the time that the Greeks and the Romans, it was actually the, the Phoenicians, and then the Greeks got it from the Phoenicians, and then the, and then the Romans took it from the Greeks, and that is impaling, impaling people. And anyone who was guilty of a crime, who was charged for death, would take their, it wasn't really a cross, it was more like a pole. And uh, they would take that. And so when Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, the audience of the day knew what he was talking about. Because the Romans, historically, when they impaled somebody, they put this person or persons on public display, just like Jesus and the two, what? Thieves on each side of him in public display. And people would go and watch this horrid thing and what the Romans did to them. And when the Romans were really saturated with rebellion and they caught up with those who rebelled, they killed them all, they impaled them all, and they put them along the roads where people walked every day. Now, could you imagine the, seeing that and the smell? I don't know about you, but, it, but have you ever smelled something dead at the side of the road? Or anywhere for that matter? I remember one time we had hamsters. Oh, we had hamsters. Remember those, honey? My kids said we have to have hamsters. Has anybody here had hamsters? The little furry things? You know, the really furry ones, you can't tell what's the head or the tail. You know, because the, they're so funny looking. So we had to have hamsters. And uh, hamsters have a habit of getting out of their cages. And when they get out of their cages, you don't know where they're going to end up. And so when we were renting this old farmhouse over in Roseville, in our bedroom, you could smell the stench of death because the hamsters were missing. And so I opened the grate, and I was reaching in there, and I couldn't get anything, and it just stunk to high heaven. Oh, my goodness. And it was like, you know, spray anything you want. And two minutes later, it's like, oh, gross. So I said, okay, I'll do an investigation. The old furnace had those big pipes. And so I was down in the basement, and I'm, you know, trying to figure out, okay, that pipe goes there, and that pipe goes there, and that one, maybe that's the one. So I took it apart and nothing, put it together, went down, and then I took this other one apart, and I'm looking at it like this, and the furnace kicked on, and you know what shot out of there? <laughs> and hit me in the face? <laughs> Found the hamster! We found the other one outside in the spring, frozen. Kind of like that. Escape plan didn't work. So every day, these people walking along understood execution. They understood, take up your cross. 
And it tells us in Matthew 10, 38, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. So if it's, if it's not bad enough to walk that out, it's, it's I'm not even worthy if I don't take up my cross. Now, what's a cross for us today? A cross for us today is anything that we need to die to. Anything we need to die to could be a bad habit. It could be something in our lives that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to us about and, and we just refuse to give over it and we need to die to that thing. We need to die to it. For me, it was swearing. You know, I could swear with anybody using words I shouldn't use. And when I came to Christ, the Holy Spirit started to talk to me about some of these these areas of denying and dying. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit started to convict me about that. And then God, because he was changing my heart, he changed my mouth. That's what he does. You see, he's on the inside working out. So he, he worked in here to work out here and change this. And so I was learning what it is to take up a cross and lay that down. When he told me to quit playing drums, lay it down. Kill it. Because if you study the life of Jesus, when he took up his cross, where was he going? Where was he going? To death, to Golgotha, the place of death. And I thought, you know, if he says, take up your cross, Rob, and follow me, I thought, oh, that leads to death. I have to die in this journey. And when people saw those when the Roman soldiers were leading someone with one of those, those impalers, those sticks, those crosses, when they were walking with him, everyone knew what the end would be. Everyone knew that that person was about to be executed. They were going to die. And then Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross. For us, it's hard to picture, but for them, it was all too real. And the last thing he says is, follow me. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I thought, you know what? It's interesting. We say we're followers of Christ, right? Do you say that? Yes, no, maybe so? Yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. But the thing that Jesus said to me as I read this, and I was saying, Lord, what? He's saying the other, the first, there has to be those two things first before you follow me. You have to deny yourself, and you have to take up your cross, then you follow me. He said, so often you want to follow me, but you don't want to deny yourself, and you don't want to take up your cross, but you still want to follow me. I thought, isn't it interesting that Jesus said it like that to lay it out? The stage was set. And so I thought, if I'm going to deny myself, my flesh, my will, my own way to take up the cross, I guess there's still areas in my life that, that he's trying to get a hold of me because I haven't arrived yet. And he has mercy and love and grace to work on my heart because he's an active Lord and Savior. So I want to I end it this way. Um, I want you to, uh, to think about this. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ on the same journey. Yes? In other words, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to follow Jesus. When he said, go and make disciples, I have to realize that, that if I am a Christian, I am a disciple. You can't se separate them. You can't separate them. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And as a disciple, he starts to tell us in the next passages or next part of the scriptures that we will look at another day is what it is to, to be 
about that business of making disciples. But I thought, you know, we are a family, and we are one in Christ. We are here one for another. And I, and I appreciate Pastor Wayne when he was sharing about what's going on in people's lives, the funeral here today. Can some of you stay? You are a great church. Thank you. You stick around. You clean up. I mean, Andy, you asked me a couple weeks ago when we were doing mountaintop prayer. You said, Pastor Rob, do you want us to clean up the chairs? And I said, oh, yeah, I forgot. He says, well, Pastor Wayne always announces that. I said, yeah, he does. Where was he? <laughs> well, I thought it. I didn't say it. I just forgot, but my dear brother remembered. Thank you. Thank you for being that kind of church, that you're just willing to jump in and help out. So if the stage wasn't set and the cookies weren't out, I think some of you would at least find the cookies, if nothing else. Because we're family and we work together. So thank you for being a disciple. Thank you for being willing to take up your cross. Thank you for being willing to deny yourself even when it hurts. And I thought, why? Why do I want to do this? Because I desire a close relationship with Jesus for my present day and my future glory. I desire that right relationship with him in every way. And I love what Paul says, and I want to encourage you with this, that you are a disciple and you are more than able to do all that he's asked. In Romans, it tells us this. As a matter of fact, I just, uh, Les, is Les still here? Okay, because he got quiet all of a sudden. I didn't know you were <laughs> still here, brother. Okay, I, I just want to say, Les, you don't have to tell us the story, but, but I know last week when we were doing, I think it was the chili. And there was a gentleman who came in looking for you. And, and uh, this is about being a disciple, folks. So this gentleman didn't know any, I don't think he knew any of us, but he certainly knew you guys, you and Bonnie. And he came right to Les, and he goes, there you are. And Les is like, hey. And then a, a, a little while later, I walked into the little library we have there in the two chairs, and Les was laying hands on the man praying for him. I thought, that's what we do, folks. That's discipleship. That's sharing Jesus. That's becoming a disciple that makes disciples. And listen what Paul says to us in Romans chapter 8. I want to read the first verse, and then um, 1 and 2, and then I'm going to jump to verse 28. And these are familiar verses to many of us, where Paul says, therefore, say therefore. therefore. What is therefore, therefore, right? You've got to read what's in chapter 7, but we won't do that. Therefore, there is now no, say no. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And then Paul continues. You can read it when you have time. But then he gets into this last part. This is, this is the meat of it all to me. And he says this in verse uh, 28. And, and we know. We know. Now, remember that in the Greek, no means gnosis, means by experience. We know that in all things, say all things. Yeah, all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to the, his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed in the likeness of his son. That's us. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? How do we answer? If God is for us, what's it say? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, 
but gave him up for us all. How will you not also along with him graciously give up all things? Talk about denial. Talk about taking up your cross. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is it that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also right now interceding for you and me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? How about hardships? How about persecution? Famine, nakedness, danger of sword. As it is written, for your sake, we face death as a disciple all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I thought, how can you be more than a conqueror? <laughs> we are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced, oh Lord, help us to be convinced, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Those are Paul's words to us. Are you encouraged today? You are a disciple. A disciple called by him who said, therefore, go make disciples. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.